0: Money
1: FM eighty nine point three, best of weekends.
0: On the line with us is Dr. Andy Ong, research scientist and chairperson at the Wildlife Reserve Singapore Conservation Fund, also uh, the president of the Jane Goodall Institute Singapore. Andy, good morning. Welcome to Weekend Mornings.
2: Good morning. Thanks for having me.
0: It's great to have you on, Andy. Why? Why are why is this issue coming up right now? The uh, talking about the the banded langer. Uh, I know you have some some thoughts about how it needs to be preserved going forward. Um, why now? And and what's the what's the issue at hand?
2: So um, the raffles banded langer is a critically endangered monkey. It's only found in Singapore and just a small area in Malaysia. So it's kind of considered like a national natural heritage in Singapore. So why now? Um, it's not really like specific that I chose the period of time to, to really try to fight for the protection of the their natural habitat. But more like um, in two thousand and seventeen there was the adjacent forest in Tago, Lanta. So that's the teachers' estates near Yochukang. That it was cleared for uh, condominium development. And that habitat is also part of the home range of the langurs and other um, threatened animals in Singapore, mm. like the critically endangered songbird, the straw-headed booboo, mm-hmm. and also uh, we can find slow lorises, the pangolins around the area. So um, at that time, I was thinking the forest at the Mindef state land, which is um, what was being reported in, in the articles recently, it's um, kind of connected to the previous Targol Lantil Forest, and it's also home to the langurs and other animals that I've mentioned earlier. Um, at the moment, um, URA said that it's um, subjected to detailed planning for residential use. So mm. we know that, you know, maybe sometime in the future, not now, that there might be plans to, to convert it into some housing estates. So before, before that happens, um, I thought that it would be good to just put out some information that we have, you know, that shows that this area is important habitat for our native wildlife, Because for a lot of the development projects that's happening, usually, you know, it's announced that, oh, okay, so there's a cross-line or there's this, you know, housing development happening here. And engagement process might happen afterwards. Like, okay, so what should we do to preserve some important um, habitats? But maybe it's a little bit too late. Um, at a time because the detailed planning might have happened already <laughs> so right. you know when we come in it could be like oh, okay can we can we maybe squeeze in a little bit of this area to preserve or can we maintain this forest connectivity so perhaps it's good to put it out there that hey you know that so there's this forest that is really critical um before you subject it to detailed planning <laughs> you can look at not True. developing this area
1: so just to yeah, put because- it into uh, sorry mm-hmm. Andy just to put it into context for the for our listeners we're talking mm. i believe about a small forested patch around Upper Thompson Road is that correct the one that's yes. near Salita Expressway it's opposite the Thompson Nature Park And the forest covers roughly 150 hectares. That's about 210 football fields, which is about 5% of Singapore's largest uh, reserve, the Central Catchment Reserve. And this Mm. is the area where you believe around Upper Thompson Road is a key area for many animals, but particularly the endangered langur. So you wrote the piece, the paper, it was published Mm. this week. Have you had a response yet from the relevant agencies? I mean, what, what stage are we at now?
2: Um, at, that mo- at the moment now, it's not uh, a direct response, but um, I'm, I'm still engaging with the National Parks Board, mm. with the authority in this area. So then I believe there'll be more discussions uh, later on. So, yeah, I'm
1: actually looking forward to it. And I think we can be very optimistic, can't we? Because, as you say, we have a population of about 60. Very cute animals. Anyone who can't picture (laughs) them, they're the ones with the long tails, (laughs) black fur, white rings around their eyes. They're about twice the size, actually, of the macaques we have here. Beautiful animal, extremely endangered. And on a positive note, I feel that the mood, both nationally and politically, does seem to be changing slightly, doesn't it? We have a number of ministers and politicians, Desmond Lee, Louis Ung, mm. amongst others, who yeah. seem very supportive of the initiatives you're trying to bring in. Is is that the way you, you feel about it at the moment, Andy? These guys are very positive when you sit around the table with them?
2: Mm-hmm. Not just me. I think a lot of us in the nature groups, in the nature community, feel that you know we're moving in this positive direction, very hopeful, Especially like you, like you just mentioned, there's a number of ministers that are pushing for transforming Singapore from a city in a garden to a city in nature in mm. the next decade. Wasn't it announced like uh, during the budget speech yep. just in March this year? So I think there are a lot of emphasis on trying to enhance and, ex- well, I would say enhance Singapore's natural capital, like planting a million trees. There's a lot of initiatives by protecting nature parks, like the Thomson Nature Park. So we're very hopeful and, uh, you know, hoping that there could be more discussions to look at the different forest habitats in Singapore.
0: We're talking with uh, Dr. Andy Ang, the research scientist and chairperson of the Wildlife Reserves Singapore Conservation Fund, uh, also the Raffles Banded Langer Working Group. And Andy, one of the common arguments that's often made is, well, we'll cut down this old growth forest here, but we're going to plant a million trees somewhere else. Um, from what I've read, recent research has indicated that there is really no, there's no substitute for old growth forest mm-hmm. or the ecosystem Correct. that it provides. Um, mm. is, there, is there more of a understanding or realization of that these days? Because, um, you know, even though we all know that N. parks and, and others are great about planting trees here. They are young trees, and there is just, you know, there's no substitute for the old growth.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so like you mentioned, uh, planting trees, you know, cutting down trees from this forest patch and old growth is not the same as planting the same amount of trees somewhere else. Because it takes a long time for not just the trees to grow, but the ecosystem to flourish Mm. and animals to be living in that habitat. So, um, yeah, I mean, even though I felt that there are still some you know, developments that could be improved in some sense, where, you know, we could preserve a lot more uh, areas rather than cutting it, cutting it down and planting somewhere else. But in general, there is a, a positive direction into realising that old growth forest is not, you know, uh, going to be replaceable by just planting trees somewhere else.
1: And in fairness to the URA, the Urban Redevelopment Authority, they are working closely with the National Parks Board. They will listen to your demands and uh, suggestions sorry in in a recent report i mean there's been recent talk isn't there that you would like maybe further rope bridges these are things that i think have been quite popular in the past uh Park's <laughs> installed rope bridges across old upper thompson road and that <laughs> has, and i believe that has actually helped hasn't it that has helped the raffles banded uh, langor and other arboreal animals to cross safely is that something you would like to see more of
2: Because, like you mentioned, um, Parks with um, other authorities have been putting in all these measures to help with our wildlife to cross safely from one area to another that's, you know, separated by roads. So to have more road bridges um, along some of the major highways, like Upper Thompson Road, would be really helpful for our borrowed animals. Not just the langurs, but like civets, you know, like squirrels. Um, But of course, with that in mind, we shouldn't be... Seeing that has like an alternative to preserving habitat, because after all, it's really important to to keep the natural canopy connectivity and supplement it with artificial uh, structures like road bridges.
0: Andy, we've seen uh, in recent weeks the discussion about the otters coming up, and and this whole idea of us increasingly getting closer and closer to wild Singapore to the animal population (laughs) that's here. And of course, Uh, the closer you get, the more chances there are for uh, um, bad uh, interactions uh, between the two. uh, uh, Do you feel like Singaporeans in general are getting the message about uh, coexistence or are we still on a mindset with, with many in this country that, you know, animals should be put to the side or put out of the way so that we can get on with our, you know, with our lives, uh, rather than making it more of a coexistence?
2: Mm, So, in my opinion, I felt that Singaporeans are getting more and more aware of the coexistence with wildlife. It's just that sometimes they might not know that certain behaviour could trigger more interaction and might result in conflict. So, it's kind of like, they didn't intend to have that to happen, but it happened. So, they're kind of lost. What should we do? We want to coexist with them, but what do we do? Mm. So we need to first understand the motivations behind animals moving from one area to another. So there are two main reasons. One is to look for food. One is to look for meat, right? Mm. So like, others are not interested in humans. Yeah, I was going to say, it's kind of like
0: uh, what humans do. Yeah, most of the on a Saturday do exactly the yeah. same thing. Exactly. <laughs> it's kind of, is there a Zook for the banded Langer? Yeah. <laughs> We've got the Zook Otters. We've got the Zook Otters. So- yeah.
2: The one that i mentioned at upper thompson road that is like a group of bachelor males that are going around looking for food and girlfriends so back to what i was trying to say about behavior right so they're trying to look for food or mates and mm. like um the author's going to you know look for food and they happen to come across the koi fish the expensive fish in some mm. areas in the pond um you know, If we are more aware about how to coexist, coexist with them, we want to coexist, but we don't know how to. So if you're aware of some measures that you can put in place, like putting some fences or having some people to watch over, se- watch over certain areas, that could actually improve the situation and make coexistence easier. So you know, if you're aware that they're just looking for food, you know, just try to not provide that food unintentionally.
1: Just on that point, briefly, because I, I genuinely don't know what is the gender mm. makeup of our Langer group in in Singapore. Do do you have a rough idea? <laughs> you, I know you said there's sixty, but yep. is it predominantly male? Mm. How, how does it work?
2: So, um, with the sixty, we are actually looking at about fifty fifty percent in terms of gender uh, mix because um, we have been recording the infants that have been born and then been recording the different individuals. So we know the the sexual makeup. Um, But then in terms of the group dynamics and social structure, it's usually one male and a few females in the group with their babies, whereas you have another group that is predominantly just males looking around for girlfriends. So these are the two different types of structure that you have, but overall it's 50-50.
1: And is there evidence of healthy breeding in the groups or is it too early to tell?
2: Um, so previously, we have data to show that there are some signs of inbreeding going on in the langurs, meaning that you know they they because they have such a small population size, when they mate, their infants would have a lower immunity compared to what you would expect in a, a larger population, meaning that with inbreeding, they might not survive into adulthood because yeah. of lower yeah you know immunity to diseases. Um, so at the moment, yes, we're still monitoring, and it'd be good if we can look into trying to do some exchange of langers from our neighbors in Malaysia and with Singapore, so we can increase their genetic uh, diversity.
0: Andy, what's the next step? Uh, where do where do we need to go from here? You mentioned the consultations with the URA, mm. Mindef, and Parks. Uh, w- 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 is there a, is there a meeting coming up in the near future? Is there a public comment that people can? can join in and and join the cause to at least make sure that these animals are considered in upcoming planning?
2: Mm. So um, at the moment, it's still in the kind of planning stages. So I would say that there will be more consultation with the relevant agencies and a higher level kind of consultation. But in terms of public consultation, it might be at a later stage where we can all participate. And we can also send in our comments to the authorities anytime that you want.
1: And Eddie, just one final one from me. Glenn and I have Mm. been talking about this issue for weeks now. Uh, uh, we discussed it with Louis Ung when he came on a show a few weeks ago. Mm. Singapore Mm. currently, I want your expertise on this, is wilder than it's ever been in all the time I've lived here because, of course, the grass is longer. It's not being so maintained (laughs) and so on. We're loving it. Many readers are loving it. Many listeners are loving mm. it. But like the otters, I've also seen a few letter writers saying, it's so ugly, we <laughs> need to cut the grass, we need this. Putting on your, mm. your naturalist hat on, what is your view on it? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you're going to say you like it. Why is it a positive thing to be a little bit longer, a little bit wilder from an ecological point of view?
2: So um, to define it, I think you need to look at how you see wild or wild habitat. Um, they're not manicured so if you have like grasses which are being cut they are manicured right you have um, you know the streams that are converted to canals those are manicured so if you want to have like um, coexistence with nature or with wild habitats you need to look at what you can accept so if wild means longer grasses and you know more butterflies or more insects around that is wild and if you can accept then you're able to coexist with this kind of wild but if you can't, then we need to look at different aspects of nature that you can, you know, uh, live with. So a shorter, you know, grass or uh, less insects; those are the nature that you can live with. It's still good, I, I feel. Rather than oh, I don't want this grass patch here. I don't want this tree here. Hmm. So I, I think there's a spectrum of what people can accept, and we we can't always, you know, make them say oh I you know it's good if you can at this end of the spectrum where you can accept everything to be wow and you know natural because not everyone is the same right so if they are able to accept certain kinds of nature where you have you know a, a grass patch or some forest in the area some insects flying around i think that's good already i, I felt i mean i thought that we should be really happy with that rather than oh i don't want this lot of forest here
0: Well, thank you to uh, Dr. Andy Ang, the research scientist, uh, primatologist, chairperson of Wildlife Reserve's Singapore Conservation Fund and the Raffles Banded Langer Working Group. Really appreciate you coming on. Hope you'll come on again in the future when there's more to uh, talk about in terms of moving forward with this issue. Thank you so much.
1: To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.